chapter 1. Jonah, chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for, your, for your word. And, and God, I thank you for your love and, and care for us, dear God. And, uh, and Lord, I thank you for the good services this morning, for your word that went forth. Uh, Father, for the privilege to be in your house multiple uh, times today. Thankful for those that could be with us uh, online through the streaming services, Lord. And uh, we're just thankful for all these things, how you've cared for us, provided for us um, all of these years. We praise your holy name. And we thank you. Your spirit is here with us. I ask that you'd fill me as I uh, minister that, which you've laid on my heart for tonight from your word. And Father, I pray for my dear wife. Uh, uh, watching Isaiah there, fill her with your spirit, and just uh, bless her there. And, and dear God, uh, just afresh and anew, might our hearts be drawn to you, uh, to your word. And, and Father, just uh, use the service tonight to edify us and to glorify your name. And, and, uh, and Father, might we have opportunities this Christmas season to, uh, to share the gospel and uh, show us as, as, they, as you would make those possible. And Father, we pray, uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Some time ago, I thought I'd just work my way through some of the prophets chronologically and continue to do that. There's been times that I've spent the whole month of December preaching Christmas messages. I didn't feel led to do that this, this year. Uh, so we'll have a Christmas message uh, coming soon, and Brother Chris will have some, a couple coming for you here on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and Brother Dennis will be doing Sunday night, that Sunday night Christmas. We'll be out of town, uh, Lisa and I, so uh, I'm kind of torn. I'm going to see family, but I'm moving away from family, and uh, this will be the first time that we miss Christmas since, since this church started, Christmas at, at the church here, and so it's kind of hard. It's kind of awkward, uh, but... Uh, you know we love you, and, and, uh, and we know we're loved, and, and I'm sure that God's going to bless in both places, amen? And I'm thankful for that. Uh, I'm very thankful for that. Amen. All right. Well, we, uh, we think about Jonah, uh, this uh, interesting prophet. Now, uh, Jonah, of course, in the Bible, this book has suffered much attacks uh, from critics uh, because of the account of the great fish. You know, which swallowed him and spit him out on the land. Uh, verse 17 here in chapter 1, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Uh, chapter 2 and verse 10, and the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And we've all heard the saying, even a whale can't stand a backslider, okay? <laughs> and uh, vomits him out of the land. Uh, well, uh, uh, that's a true story, 
And that's the way it happened. Uh, God told us that. Uh, in fact, there are several accounts in, 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 on recorded history of men being swallowed by large fish and living to tell the tale. Uh, James Bartley is one of them. He was a crewman aboard the Star of the East, a whaling ship off of the Falkland Islands in February of 1891. Uh, he was a member of the boat crew. It was overturned by a large bull whale, wounded by a harpoon thrust. Uh, another boat uh, uh, had, uh, uh, had picked up the survivors, apparently that their, their boat had uh, gone down in the, in the event there. Another boat picked up the survivors, Bartley, and uh, one of the other men were missing. Later in the afternoon, two other boats saw the same whale, captured, captured it, drew it alongside. The, uh, the Star of the East captain, Mike Dolan, describes what then took place. He says, with lines around its stomach, the crew hoisted the whale to the deck of the ship. Uh, something moved inside, uh, in, inside the covering. He said, working feverishly with sharp knives, they quickly slit the stomach of the whale open and found James Bartley quivering and unconscious. It says, uh, uh, dashing salt water over the still form of Bartley, they, it seemed to revive him. And after he had been washed and had been washed and, and given a few sips of brandy, uh, forced through his pale white uh, lips, he says he he was carried to the ship's cabin. For two weeks, he hovered near death. When he finally recovered, uh, he told the weird tale. He said he was in the darkness and made an effort to reach out, and his hand, uh, you know, trying to get out, touched uh, the slick substance that yielded to his feeble efforts to escape, just slid back down in. He felt himself being drawn forward uh, into a chamber where there seemed to be more air. He says each time he tried to crawl forward in the black chamber, some invisible force uh, seemed to draw him back. Then his terrible plight dawned upon him. He was inside the body of a whale. He says uh, the heat was terrific. Weak from the strain and the heat, he sank into oblivion. Uh, surely... Uh, uh, feeling that he was going to die. He collapsed and remembered nothing until he awoke in the, sh in the ship's cabin. And although his skin never quite regained his, its natural color, uh, he regained his strength and lived for many years, continuing to fish in the dangerous waters where he almost met his doom. Uh, interesting story, and there are a couple other stories, uh, uh, historical accounts written in that manner about people being swallowed by fish and such. Uh, it's interesting that in Luke chapter 11, verse 29, we read that Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites. Uh, in Luke 11, 29, uh, the people are gathered thick around Jesus, and, and Jesus says, uh, This is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of Jonas the prophet. For as Jonas was a sign... To the Ninevites, so shall the uh, so uh, so shall the Son of Man be to this generation, uh, and so uh, Jonah being a sign to the Ninevites. It's interesting the, some of the things that God put His prophets through when they preached His message, so that they would be a sign to the ones to whom they were preaching. Uh, we think of Ezekiel. My heart goes out to Ezekiel. What a faithful man. And what things he suffered uh, to be a prophet for the Lord. And of course, Jeremiah is, is another. But uh, in Ezekiel 24, 15, of course, God is going to judge uh, Jerusalem. And their beloved temple is going to be uh, sacked soon, burnt. And 
And uh, Ezekiel 24, 15, also the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, behold, I take away from thee the desire of thine eyes with a stroke. Yet neither shalt thou mourn nor weep, neither shall thy tears run down. Forbear to cry, make no mourning for the dead. Bind the tire of thine head upon thee, put on thy shoes upon thy feet, cover not thy lips, eat not the bread of men. So I spake unto the people in the morning, and at even my wife died. My heart breaks every time I read that, how hard that must have been. He says, and I did in the morning as I was commanded. And the people said, well, now tell us what things, uh, what, what uh, these things are unto us, that thou doest so. Then I answered them, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will profane my sanctuary, the excellency of your strength, the desire of your eyes, uh, and that which your soul pitieth, and your sons and your daughters, whom ye have left, whom ye have left, shall fall by the sword. So here Ezekiel goes through this great trial, really kind of just to picture the heart of God, that God's heart was broken, that the place where His presence would dwell uh, would have been forsaken by His people, and God took Ezekiel through that, so that He would have a, an, a, an empathy. What? For the message he was going to preach to the people. His very life uh, became a sign. And uh, I think of Jonah. Maybe perhaps in that way being a sign. Uh, Jonah was to go to Nineveh. Uh, they were a nation that was ripe for judgment. And uh, by the way Jonah was a man who was ripe for judgment. At the time wasn't it? He was running away from God. And what happened? He got thrown into the ocean and swallowed by this great fish. And uh, some also believe he died in the fish and was raised to life. But here he comes and the, the fish spits him out. So what's happened? He has received mercy. He's worthy of judgment. God has shown him mercy. Where is he going? What message is he going with? To Nineveh. To show them what? They're worthy of judgment. But God is going to show them mercy. Uh, if, if, if they would repent, they would find, they would find, they would find that out. Uh, interesting how, how, God, how, how God works. Uh, Grace W. Kellogg has a book that she's written called The Bible Today, and she's compiled a list of records which have been, been authenticated of, of the experience of living creatures in fish, uh, that later were rescued alive. Uh, and so uh, multiple things about these, uh, these uh, you know, fish swallowing things and other accounts about people being swallowed by fish and, 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 uh, and surviving that. Um, uh, we believe uh, this account simply because the Lord, the Lord attests to it. Uh, God can do anything. I think about you know, God sending a fish uh, to swallow Jonah. And the things that I, I'm going to share, I want you to understand, I've mentioned this before. I don't believe certain archaeology, I don't believe the Bible more because of the accounts of certain archaeologists and historians. I believe some of the accounts of certain archaeologists and, historian, and historians because of the account of the Bible. 
uh, th that's the way it goes. And, uh, and, the same, and the things that we're about to see about the blue whale and such, uh, listen, God can, God can change a goldfish to swallow Jonah if he wants to, okay? Uh, but the things that I want to show you uh, and just to consider is the great hypocrisy of the scientific community in swallowed by a fish, swallowed by a whale. You know, you, you uh, Christian people, you know, you just, you just reject science. Well, I just hope a few things that we'll look at will show the great hypocrisy uh, of that kind of thinking. These are what, what the Bible would call uh, involved in science falsely so-called. <laughs> Amen. And uh, uh, just some things to consider about Jonah being swallowed by this, uh, uh, by this, uh, great, this, uh, this great fish. Uh, the blue whale, of course, is uh, the largest creature that we know uh, on earth. And uh, think about this blue whale. Uh, uh, was that something that might have swallowed Jonah? Might have been something else? The Bible talks about a whale. I mean, there's a, there's a whale shark. It's not near as, near as big as a blue whale. But a blue whale is a pretty good-sized fish, okay? That is a pretty good-sized fish. 100 to 150 tons, okay? You see that school bus, that, 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 that bus there, and that gray whale uh, there? We are talking about a huge fish, uh, the, blue, the blue whale. And uh, uh, the head of this whale has a wonderful air storage chamber in it, which is an enlargement of the nasal sinus, often measuring seven feet high and seven feet wide inside the head, okay? Uh, by, by 14 feet long. Uh, it has, uh, 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 it ha if, it, if it has an unwelcome guest on board in its sinus cavities, it gives him, a, gives him a headache. He swims to the nearest land and gets rid of it, the offender, as did Jonah. <laughs> Any of you guys ever out in the woods hunting, just kind of clear your sinus passages? <laughs> Don't do it around your wife, it'll gross her out, okay? Well, that's what the whale does, only what? Through his spout, amen? And, uh, uh, but interesting, interesting uh, about that, that blue whale. Uh, of course, they tell us, uh, well, his throat's way too small. Well, uh, I was looking some of those things up, and you know, I wonder how many blue whale throats they have examined. Uh, uh, probably not near uh, a percentage to make such uh, judgments. But uh, uh, several websites, I said, said uh, they couldn't have swallowed Jonah because their throat's only, only about as big as a beach ball. I thought, well, that sounds real scientific. <laughs> just how big is a beach ball? You know? And uh, and I, look, I just went online and started looking up that. You find beach balls and, uh, you know, uh, uh, up to two and a half feet. Okay? Uh, one of the most... Uh, uh, one of the websites that professed to be the most clear... Well, here's the size of the throat. and only found one. You know, it's 13 inches. Can't swallow a person. Look how big I am. Can I show you 13 inches? Does that look like a whole lot of difference between what my, my shoulders and 
And by the way, the Bible says God what? Prepared a great fish. Like I said, he could have done that with a goldfish if he wanted to. But he prepared a great fish. Now you're telling me, you know, and what's evolution based on? Countless episodes of, uh, what is it they call it? When they get another limb or something? What is it? Come on, help me out here. I had the word, it was a, uh, of, uh, not, not metamorphosis, but it's a, what is it? Mutations. That's it. Thank you, brother. Mutations. They're dependent upon endless mutations. Well, you know, this or that might grow an arm, but a blue whale can't have a throat that's six inches bigger than normal. Do we see the hypocrisy there? Uh, well, you know, you and I lost our tail because we, 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 could, we didn't really need it, so, so we dropped it off. I remember, I'll never forget Ken Hovey talking about that in one of his, one of his, his films. He says, we lost our tail because we didn't need it. He says, I don't know about you, but there's multiple times I've walked up the steps with my hands full of groceries. He says, he says I could have used, used that tail to get that door open. He says, I don't know why we lost that. Seems to me to have been pretty handy, you know. But a blue whale, a blue whale, a blue whale. Can you see that picture? I don't know if it came out. Impossible that one could have a throat six inches bigger than another. Do we see the hypocrisy there? Uh, uh, what I'm saying is this. God didn't need uh, to have a whale with uh, a larger throat. He could make it that way. But even this miracle... Uh, and I say it would not be a great one for God but when we, we get into the realm of miracles it's hard to talk about it that way because miracles are things that are against science they're things that are impossible so they're all wonderful and great and, and amazing and magnificent but this is something that even a common sense person says well this fish that could have swallowed Jonah frankly could be out there in the ocean without a miracle if you're just a common sense type person and yet they made the big deal out of this. Why? Because they hate the Bible. And you'll find it going on websites that they, that they will go to an extent sometimes talking about the throat of a blue whale to show you why it couldn't have swallowed a person. You foolish Christian, <laughs> Christian Jew. And it's ridiculous, the hypocrisy. You can have, you can have these uh, mutations after mutations but a blue whale can't have a throat six inches bigger than, 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 than average. Ridiculous. Uh, ridiculous. I did just, want, just wanted to show that the size of the, of the blue whale. All that being said, uh, the book of Jonah is not about a fish, okay? Uh, it is not about a fish. Uh, matter of fact, uh, there are uh, other miracles uh, in the book of Jonah. And yes, God prepared this fish. Did he make the throat bigger? Possibly. Maybe the throat was big enough and the preparing of the fish was bringing the fish to the place and God was saying, I'm about to give him to you, fetch! Putting the fish in the exact place where Jonah would be when it came off the boat. Maybe that. Maybe maybe the throat was already was already big enough, and God just called the fish and said, "Come on, get him." Prepared. He prepared the fish and got him ready. He can do either. He can do both. We 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 don't. We're not told the details of how he prepared that fish. But it's interesting just to ponder it. 
and the hypocrisy of the scientific community is glaring uh, when you look into it. And uh, so don't let science, falsely so-called, uh, scare you away from believing the Bible. Amen. You believe the Bible, science will catch up eventually, okay? And uh, by the way, uh, used to say that, but now science, falsely so-called, is what? Going farther the other way. It seems now that many of the uh, hypocritical scientists are just taking the, the way, the, the path that some politicians do. If we just say it loud enough and long enough, people will believe it and consider it scientific fact and they'll quit believing this Bible stuff. Don't, don't, don't believe that. Uh, believe the Bible, and uh, and uh, if, the, if science says one thing and the Bible says another, science is wrong. Uh, they made a mistake somewhere. Uh, it's still uh, science falsely so-called. It's not truth. It's not fact. Uh, if if it's contradicting, if it's contradicting the Bible, we can believe and trust uh, and trust uh, the Bible. So it's not a book about a fish. By the way, there's more miracles than that in the book of Jonah. We go through that. Now, you know, we have the uh, we have the calming of the sea. Oh my goodness, that was a miracle for sure. Uh, and uh, we have this gourd that was prepared in the book of Jonah to, to bring shade over his head. Came up, you know, uh, just in a day. And, and uh, then we have the worm come up and destroys the gourd. Remember that? There's more miracle. Listen, we worship a miracle working God, amen. Uh, we're not afraid of, uh, of miracles. We believe, we trust in them. Uh, we're looking forward to a miracle of the resurrection of this body, amen, when Jesus Christ returns. Uh, if we're dead, we'll be resurrected, and if we're not, we'll go up and be changed in the air. And we're looking forward to those miracles. And, uh, and we are thankful uh, for, that we, we serve a miracle-working God. So we don't have a problem. Uh, we believe it. We believe the, uh, the, the, uh, the story of Jonah historical account of Jonah because Jesus attests to the historical truth the account it's in the Bible the word of God Matthew uh, 12 and verse uh, 39 and following Jesus says the evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign no signs shall be given to it but the sign of prophet the Jonah of the prophet Jonas for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly that sounds pretty clear to me matter of fact sounds just like the account of Jonah doesn't it <laughs> So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they, re they re repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. And again in Matthew 16, 4, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them. Uh, and so we believe uh, the account. We believe what, what the Bible says. You know, did, uh, did, uh, uh, did Jonah die in the belly of, of that whale, in the belly of that great fish? Uh, possibly. Uh, did he, did he, and was he raised again? Very well possible. Do I think that's necessary for it to be a type of the resurrection of Christ? I don't think you'd find a, a, a type has to be uh, accurate in every detail. Uh, obviously, Jesus was talking about the amount of time he was, he was in the heart of the earth. Just, just the fact that he said that he's in the heart of the earth is testimony for his death. He doesn't need Jonah to die to prove that. Okay? Uh, but uh, 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 but there, are, there are those who, who believe both ways. I'm, I'm, I'm good with either way. I think the point is, you know, we know that Christ rose from the dead. and that Jonah was in that, in that whale's belly three days and three nights. 
and uh, and perhaps you know God did perhaps he did die uh, you know think about him he became a sign to the Ninevites I wonder if there was anybody standing around when that whale came to shore what is that well that thing that thing's getting sick and all of a sudden out comes Jonah <laughs> and uh, was his you know we've heard all heard accounts of maybe of how his skin might have looked uh, he was a, he was a, he was a, must have been a funny looking character and we can just hear the cryings of his heart there in chapter 2. I mean, this guy went through it. And now he comes to Nineveh. Uh, what, 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 how, how did he draw those crowds when he went through Nineveh? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, was he uh, bleached, as some have said, and, and just that pale white was, you know, this man looks like death warmed over, but he's living. He's talking about being swallowed by a fish and now, yet now he's alive. He's attracting the, the crowds in, in, as he goes to Nineveh uh, preaching and, uh, and warning them. What an amazing book. Uh, in uh, chapter 1, we see Jonah running from God. In chapter 2, we see Jonah running to God. In chapter 3, we see Jonah running with God. And in chapter 4, we see Jonah running against God. And so much that we learn from this. Nothing else like this Old Testament letter here. Here we have God sending one of his prophets from Israel uh, to a heathen land. The capital city of a heathen land. To give them a chance to repent. Well, Jonah maybe didn't know all about that, but he knew the grace of God. He knew that he was going to preach, you know, yet you know, 40 days and then it shall be, shall be destroyed. He's sending this. We don't see another account like that in the, in the Old Testament where he picks out this missionary. You're going to go to this foreign land, this Jewish missionary, and preach repentance to these, this heathen nation. I thought that was interesting, God's timing, how he brought me to this right when we finished our missions conference. And uh, uh, what a... Uh, what a merciful God. Uh, what, what a merciful God. <clears throat> Jonah's name. Uh, <clears throat> his, it means dove. Is what Jonah means. Some have compared it to Genesis 8. Where the dove in, that Noah sets out. In vain seeks rest. After flying from Noah and the ark. And that's kind of the way Jonah was. He fled from God. And yet. He'd find no rest until what? He got right back where God wanted him to be. Uh, there was no rest for him outside the will of God. Or for those around him, as a matter of fact. Well, there's a lesson to learn. And yet, uh, and yet uh, he, would, uh, he, would, he would yet be used by God. So Jonah ministered, uh, historians tell us, uh, probably anywhere between 800 B.C. to 750 B.C. Uh, during the time of Jeroboam II, who was king in, uh, in Israel, we find in 2 Kings 14.23, in the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria. And he reigned 40 and 1 years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam. That would be the first Jeroboam. 
Jeroboam, the son of Nebet, who made Israel to sin. Uh, but Jeroboam II, uh, verse 25 says of 2 Kings 14, he restored the coast of Israel from the entering in of, of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant, Jonah, the son of Amatahi, the prophet, which was of Gath-hefer. There's our Jonah. He's a prophet of Gath-hefer in the, in the uh, northern kingdom of Israel. Gath-hefer is in Galilee. And uh, some historians tell us merely five miles or so from Nazareth, where Jesus came from. This prophet Jonah. Uh, interesting. That ought to bring to mind the error that some of the uh, leaders of Israel made when they were trying to condemn Jesus. Uh, in John 7, 41, they said, some said, this is the Christ, but some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? They answered and said unto him, art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. Oops, <laughs> they missed Jonah. Jonah was uh, from Galilee and a prophet in Israel. And by the way, the very one that Jesus pointed to, that pointed to him. You think that you know, they might have uh, 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 considered th those things. And at this time, uh, uh, Jonah was ministering during, during Jeroboam's, uh, Jer Jeroboam II. Now he is contemporary probably with the early ministries of Amos and, and, and Hosea. Uh, Hosea uh, and, and Amos also both prophesying in Israel. Now Amos was born in, in, in Judea, uh, but he's also found uh, prophesying in the land of Israel as well. Both of them uh, preach against both Israel and Judah. Uh, and uh, Jonah is prophesying, again, probably contemporary with the earlier part of their ministries. Uh, they, would, uh, out, they would be around longer than he. And, uh, uh, and they prophesied of coming judgment upon both Israel and Judah for forsaking their God. Uh, during this time, uh, Assyria is not yet uh, the world power. Egypt, Assyria, uh, and, and, and Syria are still kind of vying for that position. And uh, Tilgath-Pileser III will be coming along uh, shortly. But, uh, but uh, he's prophesying these things. Now we think about what's going on around Jonah as he's uh, going to get this message to go to Nineveh. Of course, Nineveh would be the capital of what? The Assyrian Empire. Of course, now, remember, they're not quite yet the, the world power yet, but, they're, but they're, they're coming up to it quickly. And uh, some have believed that they may even had at this time, in Jonah's time, have had some bands come into Judah in that area and take a, and, and conquer some, some some of the villages and towns, uh, uh, in, in making some making some in, invasions there, and uh, that's significant. You know, if Jonah knew of these, this would help to explain that his hesitance to see Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire, spared. And remember, if Joel was before Jonah, uh, which uh, some believe that he was, uh, if Joel was before Jonah, uh, Joel preached of enemies coming from the north. We have learned that that most likely is speaking, uh, it seems to be, of armies yet to come in the future. But Jonah didn't have revelation. Uh, 
to, to compare. He just knew judgment was coming for the north somewhere. And he knew that Assyria was coming into power. And so now God is saying, what? I want you to go and, and preach to, to, to Nineveh. And God, Jonah later says, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, when God spurred them, Jonah's heart was, well, I knew you were going to do that. That's why I didn't want to come, you see. Interesting to think about uh, as, far, as far as his, his not going there. Significant. Uh, if Jonah knew this, it would help explain this hesitance. By the way, the Assyrians were among the cruelest conquerors in history. Some of the things that they did is just, uh, is just astounding. And, uh, and uh, Jonah would have, may have been his hesitance. Maybe if we were there, we would be a little bit more understanding you know, of, of why Jonah did not want to go, yet he's to obey God. Uh, but it speaks of these, uh, these uh, cruel Assyrians and he's supposed to go there and, and preach uh, their destruction uh, all the while as, as he reveals to us later in the book he knows God's merciful and he just, just well may pardon them if they, if they listen to the message it's interesting that Nineveh was going to receive mercy when they didn't deserve it Jonah received mercy when he didn't deserve it he was in obedience to God a disobedience to God and what did, God gave him what? a second chance and at this time, Israel, the northern kingdom where Jonah lives, is in the midst of, uh, of disobedience, and they're receiving mercy when they don't deserve it. It seems that God was at a time saying, you know, I'm just going to deal with some mercy here, you know, uh, for, for multiple years. Jeroboam comes in to reign the second. The Bible says he's just as evil as evil can be. He hasn't gone away from what Jeroboam has, has practiced. The Jeroboam the first has practiced that, that, that first king in, uh, of, that northern, of that northern kingdom. He hasn't gone away from that. He's still worshiping those calves and all that. You know what God does? God uses Jeroboam the second to give Israel military victories. So they can get their land back and have the grandeur the northern kingdom had before. Among the, among the greatest, Jer Jeroboam II. Here. God uses that. Why? Because God says, I'm not ready to send him away yet. I didn't tell him I'd get rid of him just as yet. And we see God just handing out mercy. Being merciful to all those who don't deserve it. And, and are just fr frankly uh, living against him. And uh, people say, where is you know, that merciful God in the Old Testament? They need to read it, amen? And, uh, uh, and, and God, uh, God is merciful. He goes to Nineveh, that exceeding great city. And I think for sake of time, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, we'll look at some things about Nineveh that will be interesting, but we'll, we'll uh, pick it up there uh, uh, next week unless the Lord leads me elsewhere. And... Uh, and then after that, get into the, into the book, uh, going through it uh, verse by verse. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessings and goodness. And, and God, I thank you for this book. And the more we dig into it, Lord, we find, uh, Lord, that we see that it is true, just as you said it is. And, and Father, uh, we can trust your word every whit. Father, I pray that you would increase our faith and help us to do so. We are amazed at your call for Jonah, at your care for Nineveh, a people so wicked, at your mercy for Jeroboam, 
the king with yet his back turned to you. And Lord, yet we still see your, your love and mercies all through that and your miracle working power. Father, I pray you'd help us to learn as we go through this book uh, about walking with you, about your mercies, about your leading. And, and Father, what you'd have for us to apply to our, our, our Christian lives as we consider Jonah's calling and the things that, that he went through. There are lessons for us, uh, Lord, that we'll be able to apply as we go through this book uh, that would make us better witnesses for you. Uh, we're, we're called to be missionaries where we are too even as Jonah was called to be a missionary father. And, and so we can learn uh, from what he learned and from what he went through. And I pray that you would, you would help us to do that. And, and Father, I thank you we could be here tonight. And I just pray you'd give us, Lord, a safe trip home. And Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.